Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like and share, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is 6.22 a.m. East Coast time, Monday, October 7th, and today I'm going to break down the Monday Night Football Showdown slate, $400,000 to first between the Cleveland Browns and San Francisco 49ers, a, I would say, the most interesting slate of the year in terms of just, there's so much news. So what I want to do to unpack this one is just tell you all of the news, and then we'll get into what you're seeing over my shoulder, is what I have considered a... 30 or 29 players that are actually worth writing notes about um, for the most part. And then what I have down in here, which is a 10-person player pool as of right now. But as you'll see as I go through this, there is a lot to unpack here. This is not a game where you're going to know what's going to happen going into it. You're just not. There's so many things that are um, going to be left until we get inactives. And then even then, we're going to have question marks. So before we get into it, welcome to the channel. My name is Sal Vetri. I do cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, in the MLB streets. A little bit of golf. Excited to play some more golf this upcoming weekend, but this is the NFL. So anyways, if you could hit the subscribe button before we get into it. We're over 11,000 subscribers. We're on our way to 12,000. So thank you all so much for the subscribers that are joining the channel, getting value from these videos. Everybody's saying incredible things about them. If you're watching this right now and you're watching it before 1 p.m. or maybe you're even watching it after 1 p.m., I'll be on the Pat Mayo Experience. I'll be making my debut on the Pat Mayo Experience today, recapping the NFL Week 5, looking ahead for waivers, looking ahead at injuries, potential uh, betting lines for next week, all that stuff. So come hang at 1 p.m. Eastern Time in the Pat Mayo chat or the, otherwise just check it out on his podcast once it archives. Other than that, in the description down below, I'll have my Monday Night Football tiers there later today. I already have everything, everything um, for the, the prep initial prep for Week 6, all the injuries so far. I have all targets and touches up getting snap notes together have all the interesting notes up just watched every single game's accelerated film excited excited about it so check out that content down below if you're interested in my exclusive content really appreciate it doing this full-time now so thank you all so much in the description you will also find my twitter handle at salvetri dfs follow me on instagram if you'd like just salvetri and then there's some other things as well some free strategy guides so check all that out get rome down below in this in the description um but for right now hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and let's get into the slate. So I'm going to go through it piece by piece because there's like five plus things of news here that we have to talk about that's going to affect the entire slate. So if you think you've unpacked this slate, maybe you have, maybe you've looked all the way into it, but there is so much to unpack here. And these are some of the worst teams that you have to try and unpack, especially the 49ers, because not only do not only do they rotate three running backs in their backfield, they rotate five wide receivers. They don't have a true wide receiver one. Nobody's playing over 70% of the snaps a wide receiver, and they have five guys playing about 30% or more of the snaps. So it's disgusting to begin with, and now they're adding running backs into the mix, and now they're adding wide receivers into the mix on their own team, into this mess that is already the San Francisco 49ers snap counts uh, and just who's on the field. So Starting it off, we'll go with the San Francisco 49ers because for the most part, that's where most of the news is going to be coming from. They signed Jordan Matthews. So Jordan Matthews, veteran wide receiver, came up with the Eagles, looked good for a little while. He played in the preseason with the 49ers and he was not good. He got cut, right? So this is not a wide receiver that I'm too concerned about playing a ton, but he is going to get some snaps in the slot because they do fail to have a true slot wide receiver since Trent Taylor has gone down um, and they're not going to have him, I believe for the whole year. I don't know if he's going to be on the short term IR, but Jordan Matthews uh, at $600 is going to be in play today in terms of probably seeing snaps. They signed him early enough to the point where I think he dresses up in this game. So your slot wide receivers right now have been like a mix of Richie James, who is they want to keep on special teams more so than not, and then Kendrick Bourne. On your outside, you have Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis. 
So what you're getting is Jordan Matthews with a real chance to contribute. I just don't know if it happens today. I just don't know how much of the playbook he knows in a, a five-day span or so since being signed, not even five days. Um, so you also have the reason Jordan Matthews is signed because Jalen Hurd broke his back. So this was kind of the thing that forced it. Rookie Jalen Hurd breaks his back. So another spot next to um, already with his Trent Taylor gone being opened up here. So Jordan Matthews is somebody at $600 who is interesting. I want to see what the inactives look like. I want to see later today what happens. But as of right now, don't have much interest. I just don't know if he plays enough. Um, but there is potential for him to take some more snaps in the slot. But it might be, what, 10, 15 routes run. It's not going to be something close to 30 like you would like to see. And for the most part, these 49ers wide receivers don't hit 30 routes run because there's so many of them. Going up a little bit more, you have the news of um, Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman is questionable, the running back, right? The guy they signed from Atlanta, the guy that they put some money into. He's questionable for this game, and it's interesting to see what they're going to do. There's so many things they can do here. They can say, well, you know what? Uh, Matt Breida, Raheem Morstead, Jeff Wilson Jr., our three-headed monster, has performed very well as of late. We're just going to let Tevin Coleman be an inactive today. Making him inactive, you don't have to worry about making one of those other guys an inactive, and everything's fine. Why, why, why ruin something that's good? The other side of it is, well, if he's healthy and he's ready to go and he's ready to play some, you paid him money, so you might as well make him active, let him play in the game, and then you're probably going to make Jeff Wilson Jr. inactive, but you're still dealing with a three-headed monster backfield between Coleman, Breida, and Mostert, and I don't think that just goes away because Tevin Coleman's back. When Tevin Coleman was there, Breida was still seeing about 35-40% of the carries, and now Mostert has made a name for himself to at least consume, what, 15% of the carries or so? So I don't think this is going to go away. I think Shanahan likes the ability of having just so many playmakers on the field, just whether it's running back or wide receiver. So Tevin Coleman coming back today, I don't have much interest. I right now have him as a no here, um, Tevin Coleman doesn't warrant any interest from me at $5,600. Look, he's questionable to begin with, but he's expected uh, to be healthy. Uh, I, I think he um, logged a practice, but there's still three other running backs. Even if he is active in this game, there's still going to be two other running backs. I don't just expect it to become the Tevin Coleman show because it never was when he was healthy for the limited time so far this season. Um, so yeah, as of right now, no interest in Tevin Coleman, really no interest in, in the other secondary options in the backfield. Jeff Wilson Jr., there's a chance he's inactive if Tevin Coleman is going to be active. Uh, and even if he is not, or even if he is playing, Jeff Wilson Jr., sure, he's getting some red zone carries and goal line touchdowns is where you're hearing his name the most, but still only on the field for less than 30% of the snaps over the last few weeks. Uh, last week, San Fran having their buy. Uh, Raheem Mostert, at that price tag, I'm just not going to be getting to um, Raheem Mostert today. He's $5,400, and for the most part, he's playing, what, 35% of the snaps? You have, or 35 to 40% of the snaps. You have Matt Breida being the main running back here, getting um, the most work. The one game that he doesn't, it's a blowout where Matt Breida doesn't really touch the ball in the second half, and they give more touches to Jeff Wilson in garbage time. We've seen that a couple times now. So if I'm going to be paying up for a San Francisco uh, running back today, it would be Matt Breida, who he, in his own right, is probably too expensive for the workload that he gets, but at least he's having enough um, opportunities for me to justify it, whereas Jeff Wilson Jr., no, might not even play. Mostert, eh, at that price tag, I'd like to see it probably $1,000 cheaper than a $5,400 tag, um, especially for Jeff Wilson at 5200 He's been very touchdown-dependent right now, not playing as many snaps as Mostert. So that is the backfield for this team. Um, it is a mess, right? Tevin Coleman coming back is going to make it even more of a mess. Check the inactives an hour and a half before the game starts. We'll get to know if Tevin Coleman is active or not. If he's active, it becomes more of a mess. You probably don't see Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, suit up tonight. If he's inactive, well, then it's, it's uh, same as has been. And I really don't have interest in those in those secondary options in Mostert or Coleman. So that's, that's the, the running backs, right? The wide receivers we touched on, Jordan Howard is going to be active here, uh, or Jordan Matthews is probably going to be active here. That probably pushes Richie James Jr., if I had to imagine, just out of the rotation at wide receiver, maybe puts him on primarily special teams, whereas where he really excels, the main reason he made this team in the preseason. Um, so that would be the the core there. But those guys aren't playing a ton of snaps either. I mean, you have the last game, what, um, Marquise Goodwin in week three. 
Um, he saw 67% of the snaps and that led the team. So you're having a true five-man rotation of guys playing at least 28% of the snaps in week five, five different wide receivers, five. So um, I think the way that they're using Debo Samuel is fantastic. Yes, he's rotating on the field like everybody else, but when he's on the field, they're putting him in the slot. They're, they're making use of him out wide. They're getting him to one-on-one matchups. This rookie that for the most part in the preseason looked fantastic and right now has been looking really, really good. Um, I would consider Debo Samuel their number one wide receiver. Obviously, you have Dante Pettis out there. You have Marquise Goodwin, who uh, Pettis gets a lot of bad rep from his coach so far this year, but slowly increasing snaps. Marquise Goodwin, um, been looking solid out there as a guy that Jimmy G trusts, but Debo Samuel across the rest of the year is going to be the number one there. So that is unpacking the San Fran side. That's all the news that you have to know. There's a lot. Unpacking the Cleveland side a little bit less. So they run 12 personnel last week, which benefits a lot of guys. It benefits Nick Chubb, right? You have two tight ends on the field and 12 personnel. It benefits Baker in an offense that was getting a lot of crap thrown their way. A couple of easier passes, a lot taking off of the offense, sets up play action a lot better when you can establish that run, right? Um, so help Nick Chubb, help Baker, help really the whole offense get in sync. We saw more tight ends on the field. You saw Ricky Seals-Jones, the former uh, Cardinal, who they don't use tight ends at all right now in Arizona, but the former Cardinal had a big catch and run. But outside of that, really wasn't running a lot of routes, ran 15 routes, was not on the field a ton. So I'm not going to have interest this week. I'm not going to chase his one long 50-plus yard reception, ends up in a touchdown, right? That's the only reason he did anything. Demetrius Harris, um, he plays, what, 30-plus percent of the snaps last week, and he was primarily a blocker in 12 personnel. He did not run a single route. Not one route, according to Pro Football Focus. So, um, yeah, no interest in Demetrius Harris. Farrell Brown, another tight end who was on the field because they ran a lot more 12 personnel. Only ran seven routes last week. Um, it was likely matchup related for the reasons why he stepped on the field more. So, if I had to guess, Ricky Seals-Jones moving forward is probably the primary catching tight end, pass catching tight end. Um, but Demetrius Harris is the better pass blocker for sure. Ricky Seals-Jones not really known for his pass or his run blocking abilities. Um, so, you're still going to see Harris stay on the field a ton. I don't think you see as much Farrell Brown, the tight end, because they just ran a lot more 12 personnel. So, they always had two tight ends on the field last week for the majority of that game. Um, so, that's what you're seeing from their side in terms of where they were last week. Uh, at wide receiver, some more news coming out. So, Antonio Callaway is off suspension. Antonio Callaway being off suspension is going to hurt Damian Ratley. It's going to hurt Rashad Higgins, even if he's back. So Damian Ratley is going to get pushed down to the wide receiver five on the step chart. Rashad Higgins probably pushed down to the wide receiver four, albeit though he can probably be a primary backup to Jarvis Landry in the slot. And then you're going to have Antonio Callaway, who right now they're saying is probably going to be on a snap count tonight. So here's even more frustration. Um, Probably going to have a, a snap count for Damian or Antonio Callaway tonight. They said he came into preseason out of shape and everything. Then he hurts his ankle or he gets suspended. So whatever it was, um, he, he did not look good coming into the preseason. Uh, head coach Freddie Kitchens pretty much says that, yeah, he is, he is not fully um, conditioned yet. Not that he's out of shape. He's just not up to game speed, which I think he's just out of shape. Uh, but yeah, coming off of this, he's going to be on limited snaps. So that's probably going to help Rashad Higgins as, if, uh, as long as he is healthy. Higgins practiced full on Friday so, or Saturday. So I expect him to uh, be fine. So I don't have interest in Callaway today. I think moving forward, he's an interesting waiver wire pickup in this offense if it can get going. But 6,200 for a guy potentially only going to play, what, 50% of the snaps, if not less, because he's the wide receiver three. So maybe only plays 30% of the snaps tonight. You get the other 20 to 30% split up between Higgins and Ratley. It's just a disgusting mess. So I don't want Ratley, the wide receiver five now. I don't want Higgins, the wide receiver four now. And I don't want a limited Callaway. It's just a mess there. Um, There's not much to like. So that's all the news. You can obviously see that there's so, so much news and a lot of stuff that's going to be dependent on inactives, right? What's happening? Do they they mark probably um, guys... Far further down, like a Taiwan Taylor is probably going to end up being inactive now that Antonio Callaway or Rashad Higgins comes back. Do they mark Damian Ratley potentially inactive as a wide receiver five? I'm not sure. Uh, Jordan Matthews will see his status. Tevin Coleman will see his status. So it's interesting. That's a mess. Like that, this is the most news for a single game slate. 
and it's crazy um, that people are going to put a ton of money on this game tonight. But when uncertainty happens, I guess you can try and take advantage of it. But this is a very, very disgusting game. You can see I have a very condensed player pool, the smallest one that I've ever had for a showdown slate, 10 players. Obviously, if I'm entering 50 to 150 lineups, I'm going to end up throwing kickers in there. I'm going to end up throwing defenses. I'll get some more exposure to Ricky Seals, Jones. I'll get exposure to these guys, but I'm not going to put yeses for 25 guys and then say, yeah, I'd have five lineups out of 50. No, these are like the primary interests that I have. Um, so some of the players that have no's on them, if I was to end up playing 50 to 150 lineups tonight, I'd probably end up with small percentages of those guys as well. But just to start, Nick Chubb. Uh, so he's a road underdog here, which is scary, but we saw him take on more pass catching responsibilities. Last week in their blowout, he didn't see as many snaps. Or two weeks ago, yeah, last week in their blowout, he didn't see as many snaps because it was a blowout. I uh, didn't really get to play much of the fourth quarter. We saw Dontrell Hilliard, the backup, come in, take a lot of work off of his shoulders. Um, but he dominated last week in 12 personnel. So if it stays in 12 personnel because they had success, I think that was matchup related against a scary Baltimore front, um, although an injured Baltimore front for that game and even an injured secondary. Uh, but if we do get more 12 personnel, it's obviously going to help Nick Chubb the most. Uh, this run defense is middle of the pack at best. You have Arik Armstrong, who's probably their best overall run stopper uh, as sort of a defensive end. Then you have Dre Greenlaw, who's their best run stopping linebacker. And Ben Buckner is okay. So those are like three guys on this defense for San Fran that's good against the run. They're much better. They're insane right now against the pass. They've been so, so good in their secondary. Um, but Nick Chubb's in a favorable spot. And at him being 10200 I think it's too cheap. Um, honestly, I think that's probably... He, he should be an $11,000 player on the showdown slate, in my opinion. Uh, Jimmy G, he's going to be coming in here as a small home favorite, which for quarterbacks, you'd rather get a home underdog, right? It forces them to throw a little bit more. They're home, so they're comfortable. Historically, that's better. But he's going to get the face of secondary that, for again, I think the fourth straight week now is looking like it's going to have Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward expected to miss. Or this, this is the third straight week, I believe. So small home favorite with their top two cornerbacks out. They'll have Demarius Randall out there acting as the de facto number one. Demarius Randall, um, look, here's the thing. He's not really going to have to guard a crazy good wide receiver, but the benefit for Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and it doesn't help us fantasy people, but for rostering Jimmy G, he has a ton of talent out there, not only in the backfield, but Debo is talent. Dante Pettis is still talented. People uh, want to kind of, the, the rise of Dante Pettis last year was incredible. Now trying to say that he's falling so far down. I don't know what's happening with him and the coach, but his snaps are coming back up. We know Marquise Goodwin has a Olympic speed. And then they have other players out there um, in terms of Kendrick Bourne, the guys in the backfield, obviously George Kittle, not even saying him. So there's so much talent around Jimmy G. And now you're going to get to play a beat up secondary um, for the Browns that held up pretty well last week against Lamar Jackson, but a week where you, they took away Marquise Brown. And if you take away Marquise Brown against the Ravens, we saw it this past week, he, they pretty much can't do anything on that team in terms of in the air. But that's not the case with San Fran. You can't just take away one player. Uh, you can try and take away Kittle in the middle of the field. You're going to leave a lot of one-on-one matchups on the outside, though, for talented young guys at the wide receiver position. So I really like Jimmy G, the way that his offense sets up against this injured Cleveland defense. And yeah, of course I like George Kittle. Cleveland has been bad against tight ends, against good tight ends, I should say. It's going to come in that Cleveland's been pretty good to great against tight ends in terms of fantasy points allowed throughout the first four weeks. But when they faced good tight ends, and they've only faced two so far this year, week one, um, Delaney Walker uh, goes for five catches, 55 yards, and two touchdowns. And then last week you had Mark Andrews playing injured on that foot injury, catches four balls for 31 yards and a touchdown. So those are the only two notable tight ends they played. Uh, the other tight ends that they played is like Ryan Griffin from the Jets, right? Guys, you don't even know. So obviously they're going to hold that guy to not a good game because he's just not going to go out and catch passes that's not his role um so uh, this is a really good spot for george kittle george kittle comes in to me as a guy who's who's had three touchdowns called back this year as a guy who's been coming off the field because his team's been blowing out teams and just started to run the ball a lot and he's not primarily um the guy to stay on a field when you're up by 30 although he's a fantastic run blocking tight end probably the best in the league i uh, was now gronk not being in the league so george kittle stands out to me as a really good captain option jarvis landry clears the concussion protocol and san francisco has been terrible terrible against 
slot wide receivers so san francisco and their secondary in general their safeties their cornerbacks on the outside have been actually really good especially when they go into zone but in man-to-man they've been okay slot though not so good godwin week one three catches 53 yards and a touchdown um tyler boyd week two 10 catches 122 yards juju week three three catches 81 yards and a touchdown so every single week you're getting players scoring at least 14 fantasy points um, against this team and on average it's getting closer to the 17 mark 17 to 18 fantasy point mark through three weeks right they didn't play in week four they had their bye so you're having Jarvis Landry leading his team in routes run coming off of a career high in terms of yardage over 160 where he gets hurt and leaves that game early he's just too cheap Jarvis Landry at 7200 I, I don't know why he's this cheap uh, the matchup is fantastic he's coming off of his best game he seems to be fully healthy through this concussion so yeah I really like that Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin, and Dante Pettis. I have interest in all of them. I like Debo a little bit more than Marquise Goodwin. I like the way they're using him, putting him in the slot. But both these guys are going to be on and off the field for 50, honestly, 55 to 70% of the snaps. It's a wide margin, but that's just the way that they're going to rotate their wide receivers. Um, and I like Dante Pettis because his snaps continue to come up and he's just too cheap. He's $3,400. Like if he was 54 or 64, like his two other wide receivers ahead of him, well, then yeah, I wouldn't have interest. But when he's that cheap and he's probably going to play around 50 plus percent of the snaps tonight and he is a burner and he has a matchup against a banged up secondary, I'm going to like that. Baker Mayfield comes in as a yes, but I almost want to put him as an X, as a maybe. Look, he's a road underdog, which on the road isn't great for quarterbacks. An underdog isn't isn't bad, though. As a small underdog, it's going to force you to throw, put you in better game scripts as a quarterback. Um, but this is a really, really rough secondary. Like This is a good secondary so far for San Francisco. Um, the 49ers secondary right now, uh, Richard Sherman, Witherspoon, and Williams, Kwan Williams, all these guys are like top um, 100 or really closer to the top 50 in cornerbacks in coverage throughout the first uh, three weeks of their campaigns. Then you have Tart and Moore as the safeties of this team. That's probably the weak point. So you attack them in their safety. So if you go through um, and try and take advantage of one-on-one matchups, that's going to help really, really good because there's no safety help. The safety help anyways is pretty bad. So middle of the field is good to attack as well, um, which is a, a better thing for tight ends. Not having David Njoku though isn't great, which is a better thing for Jarvis Landry. So um, I, I like this spot for more of some of the, the playmakers for the Browns, i.e. Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. We'll get to Odell in a second. Baker, though, if I had to pick a quarterback, it would be Jimmy G tonight. I get it as a home favorite. It's not as great of a an ideal spot if you're trying to weigh Vegas odds as a guy. Maybe he's in the lead, but for the most part, Jimmy G is going to be in probably neutral game scripts, if anything. Uh, more times than not, he's only a small favorite at home. Um, so I prefer him over Baker. Baker, at the end of the day, if I had to get exposure to these guys, I would probably say I played 50 lineups. I probably have up ending um, maybe somewhere in the range of like 30 to 30 ish lineups, 35 lineups with Jimmy G, and then having like 10 to 15 with Baker Mayfield somewhere in there. As of right now, if I had to guess exposures just based on projections and not wanting to get two quarterbacks in most of my lineups, although these quarterbacks are cheap today, that's something to keep in mind. They're not 10,400, they're both in the 9K range. Odell, 10 4, yeah, look, he, he's a great price tag. He gets um, the San Francisco 49ers defense set, and the safeties are bad. So if he could burn you deep, he's going to have a better day. Um, but he does have a tough matchup in terms of the cornerbacks. These guys have been good. I mean, we saw them shut out the Bucks week one outside of the slot, which we talked about. We saw them shut out or, or hold the Bengals for the most part outside of a blown, not even a blown coverage, just a fluky late garbage time touchdown by John Ross and getting destroyed by Tyler Boyd in the slot. So I'm not saying shut down in terms of um, when it counted, right? I already mentioned how they're bad against slot wide receivers, but if we're talking as an overall secondary, especially on the outsides where Odell will be for the most part, he'll get shifted into the slot, but not often. That's Jarvis Landry's spot on three wide receiver sets. Um, it's been pretty good. It's been, I would say, better than good on the outside, but some of it's a little bit inflated. You had Jameis's bad day week one. You had Mason Rudolph week three, and then, I mean, you have Andy Dalton week two, so I think Andy Dalton is a better, good quarterback, especially now that he has, or it seemed at least uh, that last game, the line held up, and he saw and looked good in the second half, but for the most part, 
um, this secondary is held up pretty strong. So Odell, the only reason he's not a yes is it's just a pricing thing. Like if I want to get to Odell or Nick Chubb, I'm probably going to choose Nick Chubb here because I just like Jarvis Landry that much. And I like George Kittle that much tonight. So when I'm paying for a $9,000 player, $7,200 player and Nick Chubb more times than Odell at 10 I just can't fit Odell, especially when I'm factoring in that I'm going to get to one quarterback in pretty much every single one of my lineups. So tough to get to Odell. Matt Breida is like a eh play. Like look at 6,800, I'd rather get to the wide receivers, Debo, Marquise Goodwin. I'd much rather get to Jarvis Landry without a doubt for 400 dollars more um so in that price range there's not much that i like but if you're just trying to get exposure to that backfield i'm just trying to tell you that matt Breida would be the one so yeah i mean there's a lot of yeses on here it's a condensed player pool i feel good about the player pool i'm not trying to get cute tonight i'm not trying to play farrell brown who's going to run five routes tonight if that I'm not trying to play demetrius harris after he didn't run a single route if you're not running routes, you can't catch the football uh last week in 12 personnel so not trying to take it or play Tevin Coleman, who, if he plays, plays 30% of the snaps, things like that. Not trying to play um, Jordan Matthews just because I'm trying to be sneaky because he just signed with the team. No, he's going to be taking over the wide receiver five or six role on this team, which more times than not leads to 20% of the snaps at best and like two targets. So um, that's where I'm at right now. There's a lot to unpack here. So if you enjoyed this video, you got a lot of value from it. Hit the subscribe button. Greatly appreciate that. Follow me on Twitter at SalVetroDFS. Get down in the description. My tiers will be out for tonight, later today, in terms of my ranks for who I'm getting to the most on this slate. And I'll be live tonight at 6.30 p.m. East Coast time for about 45 minutes chatting about this slate. So come join us then. Hang out. My name is Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much, and I will see you in the next one.